In my early days, I faced a pivotal moment in my career. Instead of following the herd into traditional finance, I charted my own course. Despite skepticism, I founded my investment firm driven by a belief in economic truth and fiscal responsibility. Through perseverance, I established myself as a leading voice in finance, proving that sometimes blazing your own path is the best way to succeed. To get what you want, sometimes you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. That's what Harry's did. Seeing people tricked by expensive razors, Harry's took a stand. Instead of pricey options, they offer high-quality razors at a fraction of the cost. That's why when it comes to grooming my face, I use Harry's. Harry's understands the value of quality without breaking the bank. Their razors provide a smooth shave every time, and their shaving gel leaves my skin feeling refreshed and moisturized. So don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com gold. That's harrys.com gold for a $3 trial set. Let's talk finance. Wouldn't it be convenient to have all your investment and retirement accounts in one spot? Yahoo Finance does just that. It consolidates your portfolio views and offers expert analysis, making it easier to manage your investments. Let's not beat around the bush. You want to grow your portfolio, fight inflation, pay off debts, and achieve financial freedom. Yahoo Finance provides the news, data, and tools to make that happen. You may think you've covered all the bases, savings, researching, and investing smartly. But to truly excel, you need Yahoo Finance in your corner. A holistic perspective is crucial for success, and Yahoo Finance ensures you have it. With a massive community of over 90 million users monthly, Yahoo Finance is here to guide you on your path to financial success. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. The Peter Schiff Show. Well, let me start off by wishing everybody a happy 4th of July holiday weekend. U.S. markets will be closed on Monday in observance of the holiday. Canadian markets were closed today. They had, I think, Canada Day up north. You know, it's unfortunate that we can't really celebrate, you know, wholeheartedly on the 4th of July, and it's such a great American holiday. But unfortunately, all the traditions that we're supposed to be honoring were lost generations ago. All the freedoms and individual liberty, the values that our founding fathers risked their lives and their honor and sacred fortunes to fight for uh, have all been lost. And, and so whatever it meant to be an American at one point in time uh, no longer has much meaning at all today. In fact, we'd probably be better off uh, had we not fought the war and had we still been a British colony, provided, of course, that the British treated the American colony the way they treated Hong Kong. Because, you know, until I turned Hong Kong over to the Chinese, uh, certainly there was a very prosperous country, one of the freest in the world. And even since the handover to China, Hong Kong remains a much freer a place to live than the United States. In fact, even if we had been handed over to China and America was a Chinese colony and China treated America the way China treats Hong Kong, we'd be in much better shape than being an independent nation because we have really screwed ourselves over in a way that King George never would have. And none of the founding fathers could have ever contemplated, you know, despite the success of this revisionist history, Hamilton, a play on Broadway, 
the founding fathers would have hated every aspect of current America, including Hamilton. There's no way Alexander Hamilton would like anything that we're doing today. Yes, he wanted government to be slightly less small than some of the other founding fathers, but nothing like what we have today. He'd be rolling around in his grave if anybody thought that they were trying to put his stamp of approval, you know, his John Hancock, on, uh, on, on what we're doing. But let me get back to what I wanted to talk about on the podcast, and that is what is going on in the markets, particularly today. But today was just the, the capper on the week. You had silver prices up about a dollar an ounce. Uh, we were up over a dollar at one point on the highs. Gold closed up about 19. So gold, gold closed above 1340. This is the highest close, obviously, of the year, of a couple of years. Silver... 1967 they're probably still doing some trade so i don't know if that's going to be the final uh, a trade but you know there was a little bit of a pullback at the end of the day but you know to be honest i thought we might have had an even bigger rally today with uh, a three-day weekend coming up i thought maybe they could have run some stops they might have even gotten gold above 1350 uh which around was the high and maybe even 20 dollars on silver i could imagine that there might be a bunch of stops hanging out up there and maybe the trading was thin and maybe they could have reached for them but we'll see Maybe we're going to take those stops out on Tuesday. I mean, maybe by the time uh, we get a chance to trade again in the United States, maybe silver will be over uh, $20 an ounce. And who knows? Maybe gold will be over not only thir- over 1350 but maybe over 1400 This is a very, very powerful rally. Gold stocks, again, finished, I think, at three-year highs today. If you look at the GDX, it was up about 5% on the day, actually a little over. They profit taking a little bit in the final minutes looks like 4.84 percent uh, at the highs of the day we were up uh, better than better than five percent stock market didn't do that much today but obviously on the week you had a pretty good gain but the real story other than the gold market is in the bond market u.s treasury bond yields plunging again these are the lowest yields ever I think, I mean, we're certainly below the crash lows of the financial crisis. The yield on the 10-year is below 1.5%. 1.456 is the 10-year Treasury. The yield on the 30-year Treasury is 2.24%. So yields are plunging. Bond prices are surging. What is going on? Because you've got bonds going up and you've got the gold going up. Why is that happening? The answer is money printing, quantitative easing, the most recent catalyst being the Brexit vote, which scared the hell out of everybody because of the collapse, particularly in the European banks. And so everybody was scared. And now the central bankers are rushing to the rescue all around the world. The UK, Europe, Japan, they're all in there talking about more QE, lower interest rates. And that is putting a huge bid in the bond market because obviously if the central bankers are going to buy bonds, you want to front run that trade. You want to buy the bonds so that you can turn around and sell them to the central bankers. That is why people are willing to pay these ridiculous prices. And I bet people are starting to bet on new QE coming from the Fed, QE4, even though they're not talking about it. This is what's coming. I've been talking about it all along. QE4 is going to be bigger than QE1, 2, and 3 combined. I remember when they did QE3, they were buying $85 billion a month. In, in treasuries, they're probably going to have to do 150 to 200 billion a month when they get QE4 going, because this bubble is so much bigger now. So we need bigger QE, and they don't have the rate hikes. See, this recession is going to be worse than the 08 recession. Why? Because recessions are about 
correcting the problems, the mistakes of the bubble, right? The bigger the bubble, the more the mistakes, and then the, the more difficult it is for the market to correct them. Well, we've had far more mistakes this time because the Fed has been much more reckless than it was under Greenspan. The last, you know, eight years of 0% rates and QE and everything, the Fed has done so much more damage to this economy than the damage that was done in the Greenspan era. I mean, that's why Greenspan is out now on television saying this is going to be the worst crisis ever. He knows, right? He, he wrote the book, and he understands how this stuff is going to play out. But it's not just because the economy is so screwed up, thanks to the Fed. But as I mentioned on my earlier podcast of the week, that this recovery, in most cases, has been worse than the recession that we supposedly recovered from. So normally when you start a recession, you're starting from a high level, right? You had a big recovery. Everybody is in better shape, right? They repaired their balance sheets. Things are good. And then you have a recession. No, we didn't really recover from the last recession. And now we're going to begin another one. So we're starting from a level of weakness that has never existed in history when we went into a recession. So this is going to require, not really require, because require is the wrong word, because the government is, you know, the Fed is throwing gasoline on a fire trying to put it out. But since they don't know what they're doing and they're going to have to fight an even bigger fire, they're going to have to pour even more gasoline on it than they poured before. So since they can't cut rates more than a, you know, a quarter point, because that's all they raised them, unless they want to go negative, which I think they may be reluctant to do right out of the bat, uh, the only thing they've got is massive quantitative easing. And that's what I think people are trying to front run. They're loading up on treasuries because they want to turn around and sell them to the Fed. See, it's the ultimate bubble because it's the greater fool theory. Only in this case, the greater fool is the Fed. Right? Because the Fed is going to buy these bonds because the Fed doesn't give a damn that they're buying a 30-year Treasury for a 2.2% yield because they don't care how much money they lose because it's not their money. They're just going to buy it for a political agenda. And so the traders say, oh, okay, well, let's buy these bonds because the Fed's going to start buying them and we can profit. But this is a gigantic bubble. And again, it's not just the United States. I mean, Europe is in a huge bubble. you got negative yields uh, all over Europe on these bonds. So from Japan to Europe to the United States, this is the biggest bubble ever, this bond market bubble. And it will pop. And maybe the fools that are buying the bonds, all right, maybe they will get out because they'll find a greater fool and get out in time. But this is not the right way to play it. If you really want to profit from or protect yourself from massive money printing, don't do it in the bond market, right? Don't try to pick up a penny in front of a steamroller because that's what you're doing. The smart money is buying gold, buying silver, because obviously if they're going to print all this money and buy all these bonds, silver and gold are going way up and they're not in bubbles, not even close. I mean, silver is only at about, what, 1970 now. It was at $50 an ounce a few years ago. So it's not even close to its high. Same thing with gold. Gold now, 1340-ish. The high was about 1900 a few years ago. Not even close. So why buy bonds at record highs when you can buy gold and silver instead, especially the people who are buying European bonds and accepting a negative rate? I mean, come on. I mean, yes, gold and silver don't pay a rate, but they don't charge you. It's not a negative rate. So this is going to accelerate. I think this breakout that we had this week, I mean, I think next week could be even bigger. And because this, it, to me, it isn't even out of control yet. I mean, we haven't even seen a really, really big update. We haven't even seen capitulation on the part of all the shorts or all the naysayers. This is a very orderly 
increase, although it's happening day after day after day. That's why the, the numbers are so big so far the first six months of the year. But I haven't seen any kind of scramble. I mean, we haven't seen these stocks up 10 or 20 percent in one day. That's coming. And I think we can see much bigger moves in gold and silver as more people wake up to this reality. And again, as more people understand, why did gold and silver go down all these years? Why did the dollar go up? It was all because of this idea that the Fed was going to shrink its balance sheet and raise interest rates. And that was a farce. And people have still yet to come to that conclusion that they had bought a bill of goods from the Federal Reserve, that all this talk about how successful QE was, it was all just talk. And all the talk about how the naysayers were wrong and how the, how the Paul Krugmans had been vindicated and proven right, that you can print all this money without any negative consequences, that idea is a farce. In fact, I read this article today that I put up on my, my Facebook page. It's a really good article, a PBS actual article. And the guy pointed out a lot of the truths about all the money printing because the lie that the government's told us was, hey, we just print enough money, we're going to create economic growth and create jobs. That never happened. In fact, they said we need to print money to create inflation because the inflation is going to create growth in jobs. It didn't happen. But the real reason they wanted to print all this money was to finance government spending, to monetize government debt. And that's exactly what this article points out. And that's all we've got for all this money printing is massive government. And all this government has inhibited real economic growth and real job creation. But since everybody is still convinced that there's no downside to printing money, then why not print as unlimited amounts? I mean, it's better than raising taxes and having to incur the wrath of the voters, right? Politicians love printing money because they love being Santa Claus. They love giving out goodies to their voters. They just don't want to tax the voters to pay for them. So printing money is the perfect way to do it, right? Just, you know, you can make promises to everybody and no one has to pay for it because we just print all this money and there's no negatives. Well, there's huge negatives and we're about to find out. You know, this has been a huge lag between money printing and the effect of inflation on consumer prices. But we're about to get hit with an inflation tsunami. And, of course, consumer prices have been rising. That's the reality. The government has disguised that behind these doctored-up numbers. But the inflation that we're about to get hit with is going to be so high that no matter how much they doctor them, they're still not going to be able to hide what's going on. We're going to get all the inflation that we should have got because when the dollar rose, it was because everybody believed that there was a successful end to QE. When we have to do QE4, people will realize that it's never ending. When that balance sheet goes from four and a half trillion to five trillion, six trillion, seven trillion, the idea that the Fed is ever going to shrink it, that's going to go. And you can already see this. You can look at what's happening in the foreign stock market. You can look at what's happening with commodity prices, all starting to move up now. The, the markets are just getting a small taste of what's to come. And all we need is some more weak economic data. You know, we get another jobs report coming from the U.S. on Friday of next week. And my guess is going to be another bad one. Based on a lot of the other numbers we've been getting, the employment components have been looking extremely weak. We got the uh, auto sales numbers that came out today, much weaker than expected uh, for the month of June. That was a big part of the bubble, the auto bubble. Look at construction spending numbers came out today. You know, the last month, the April number was down 1.8%, and they were looking for a rebound in May uh, of 0.6. Instead, they revised April down even more to minus 2, and instead of rebounding a plus 6, we got a minus 0.8 uh, for May. So construction spending is falling off a cliff. Auto sales are falling. You look at, in fact, when they, 
when they uh, came out with a final revision for that GDP number where the government manufactured some more growth by lowering what they claimed inflation was. I didn't mention on the last podcast, but there was a bigger than expected decline in consumption and consumer spending, which obviously is 70% of that BS uh, GDP number. So the recovery uh, monetary heroin is already wearing off. The, you know, the, the recession is setting in. The, the hangover is coming. And you know, these numbers, they just started to get worse. So when people start to realize that the U.S. economy is in trouble, too, because the reason that the Fed is the only central bank that hasn't really been talking about having to do more stimulus is because they're still pretending the economy is good. They're still pretending the labor, the labor market is good. But neither are good. It's a disaster. And one more bad jobs report, because we got two in a row. If we get three in a row, right, the third time will be the charm or the reverse of the charm. And maybe that'll be enough to get the Fed to join the party of having to admit that it's going to do more stimulus. But the markets are already factoring that in. In fact, for the first time just recently, in, in years now, the bond market, if you look at the, the way the markets are priced, the markets are pricing in a greater probability that the next move by the Fed will be to cut rates, not to raise them. So all of a sudden, we went from four rate hikes in, uh, in 2016 to, all right, the Fed's going to raise rates for sure in June or July. Now, all of a sudden, not only are they not going to raise rates at all, but they're probably going to cut them. Now, the truth is, that was always the case. This is not new. This Brexit is not the reason. And the reason all these stock markets sold off, the reason the banks got crushed was not because of Brexit. Again, Brexit was just the catalyst. It's because the whole thing is a house of cards. Anything could topple it. And if it wasn't Brexit, it would have been something else. You know. And now, of course, that's the excuse all these bankers needed to print a bunch of money, including the Fed. But what the people still don't understand is that this policy never worked. And because it never worked, doing it again is still not going to work. I guarantee you, when the Fed, when they talk about cutting rates or when they cut rates and they launch QE4, they're going to claim that it's going to work. They're going to claim that QE3 worked, that QE2 worked. Based on what proof? See, maybe they're going to try to say everything was doing great until Brexit, until all this stuff happened. And now, you know, now we have another recession. And so we know what to do, right? Because it worked so well before, we're going to do it again. The reason we're doing it again is because it didn't work before. Because if it actually worked, right, we wouldn't still be in this mess. Brexit would, would have been a non-event. And if it actually worked, we would have had a real recovery. We would have actually created real jobs. Donald Trump wouldn't be the Republican nominee, right, because people wouldn't have been so fed up. And I don't think anybody would even know who Bernie Sanders was if we had a real recovery, uh, because we don't. Right. Maybe Joe Biden would have decided to run because, you know, he would have just wanted to campaign on four more years. But this recovery never actually existed. But the Fed is still going to pretend that it did. But will the markets, will the markets actually buy it? Because when the Fed did QE1 and QE2, that's when the price of gold and silver really took off and the dollar tanked. It was when they did QE3 Everything reversed only because people thought the Fed was finished and people thought it was going to be a successful end of the experiment. Because by then, by the time they got around to QE3 and there wasn't a lot of inflation and everything seemed okay, then all of the fear that 
originally existed in the market. Because when they initially did QE1 and QE2, I wasn't the only person who was out there saying this was going to be a disaster. There were a lot of other people. You know, remember in the presidential election four years ago, when they were talking about the Fed, I mean, a lot of people were criticizing the Fed for the cheap money. I mean, no one's doing that now. Remember, Rick Perry said, you know, he called it treason, what Ben Bernanke was doing, which, which I, I agreed. But now, I mean, nobody's really criticizing the Fed anymore because all of this so-called doom and gloom that people like me were talking about hadn't materialized. Well, it's not because it's not going to materialize. It just hadn't happened yet. And so people got lulled into this false sense of complacency that everything was fine because, you know, we printed all this money and, hey, it wasn't a disaster. Inflation was still low, at least the way the government reports it. And the stock market was going up and the real estate market was going up. So nothing bad had happened. So they kept printing. They kept printing. They kept printing. And so then the dollar rallied. And gold collapsed because everybody reversed those bets. People were preparing for a big outburst of inflation, and it didn't happen. And then everybody reversed those trades. And the dollar rallied, and gold and silver tanked. But when the Fed has to go back to the QE well, and they got to do QE4, it's, all those fears are going to come back. They're going to come back in spades because now we're finally going to get hit, as I said, with all the inflationary forces from the first three rounds, and we're going to compound that with QE4, and again, we're not going to have China. China is not going to be there. In fact, there's a lot of people that are short to Chinese yuan who, again, I think they're going to get killed when that currency turns around. China is not going to be a big buyer of dollars like they were when we did QE1 and QE2. In fact, I don't think any of the emerging market economies, either in uh, Southeast Asia or Latin America, are going to be buyers of dollars. I don't think the Russians are going to be buyers of dollars. I don't even think the Japanese are going to be buyers of dollars. I don't know anybody who's going to be buying dollars. It's just going to be a one-way uh, drop. And we're going to have uh, all these, all the inflation is going to be there. We're going to have an even bigger rally in uh, gold and silver. We're going to have a big rally in global equity markets. And though, at some point, this is going to create the real crisis for the Fed, because they're going to start this program. They're going to think everything's going to be great. But all of a sudden, when the dollar tanks and the CPI really starts to move up, and now they've got themselves in this box because now what do they do? Are they going to now stop the QE, raise interest rates, fight the inflation? See, if they do that, if they do that, they will create a financial crisis that will make the 08 financial crisis look like a Sunday school picnic. Because then all the banks that they bailed out are going to fail again. All of them. And the government's going to have to default on the national debt. There'll be no choice. So we are now so screwed up and so levered up that if the Fed has to put on the brake now, like it should have done in 2008, it'll be a catastrophe. In fact, the catastrophe will be so big that there's no way the Fed's going to do it. So they're going to keep on printing, and they're going to ignore the increasing inflation, just like they ignored the falling unemployment rate, right? They first said, oh, well, you know, we'll, we will uh, raise rates if unemployment gets below 6.5%, and they let it go below 5%, right? And they're still not really doing anything. In fact, they're going to cut rates again. So they're going to do the same thing on inflation. They're going to let it get to 3%, 4%, 5%, 6%. They're not going to do anything. You know, at first they're going to say, oh, it's a good thing, or, you know, this is helpful. No one's going to be concerned. But then it's going to get out of control. And then the Fed is going to either have to really slam on the brakes in a major way, or it's going to be runaway inflation. It's going to be hyperinflation. And, you know, that's still the worst case scenario, but it's not impossible. 
But believe me, between now and then, there's going to be a lot of inflation. The dollar, I think, is going to collapse to new lows. The last time the dollar index went down, it was saved by the financial crisis. It got to about 70, 71 in 2008. I think we're going to go through 70 like a hot knife through butter when the dollar starts to go down. I think we'll crash through 60, 50, 40. Who knows what the handle is going to be before uh, we actually get, get the Fed to raise rates. Uh, and the price of gold, you know, last time we stopped at, what, 1900 on the price of gold. Silver got to 50. Again, I think we're going to take out those milestones. We're going to take them out very, very quickly when we get up there. People think, oh, there's no way we're going to get back up there. Look, we got up there a few years ago. And believe me, the global financial system today is in far worse shape than it was the last time silver was at 50 bucks and gold was at 1900. We've printed so much more money since then. And what we're about to do is going to be off the charts. So if gold and silver were able to get where they were back then, imagine, imagine how much higher they can go in today's environment. And of course, when people who are, who are buying all these bonds at negative interest rates, when they figure that out, when that bubble bursts, there's nothing left. All those people that want to bet on cheap money and inflation, they're going to do it in gold and silver. They're not going to do it in the bond market. So you got to beat them to it. It's not too late. I've been pounding the table for people to buy gold and silver. Certainly all year, I've been really saying that, you know, ever since the Fed hiked rates and we had that move in gold, gold went down to 1050. Uh, 1050. That was a great buying opportunity and then immediately spiked up. Uh, but we're still much closer to the bottom than the top. So there's plenty of opportunity for people to buy both metals. In fact, I mentioned on this podcast not too long ago, there were some idiots who were actually shorting silver and buying gold because the, the ratio had broken out to a new high for gold, a new low for silver. And these idiots took this as an opportunity to short silver. I remember talking about, I mean, the best thing to do would be fade that trade. I mean, if something's at a record low, you don't want to sell it. You want to buy it, which is what should have been done. And I still think that there's a long way for that trade to unravel. And there are a lot of shorts out there. I mean, there are a lot of hedge funds. Remember all the hedge funds that were short? There was a record amount of shorts. In fact, for the first time ever, when the year ended, Hedge funds were net short gold and silver. Now, some of those funds have covered, but all of them haven't. I bet there's still some shorts out there. So there's going to be some real disasters coming uh, for the uh, the speculators who were dumb enough to short, short gold and silver. Meanwhile, the financials, I mean, the U.S. financials have come up a bit, but the European financials, they barely budge. They're still right near the lows. Uh, so you've got financials getting crushed. You've got gold going way up. This is a very, very problematic sign for the people who think all is well, uh, and that the central bankers have all this under control. They don't have anything under control, and it's about to get out of control. Meanwhile, I want to remind everybody, if you are not coming to Freedom Fest in Las Vegas, uh, it's not too late to get a ticket uh, to uh, Vegas. I'm going to be there for all, what is it, four days? I think it starts July 12th, 13th. Uh, I think it's at uh, Caesars Palace, four-day event. Uh, it's great fun. A lot of other great speakers, in addition to me, will be there. Uh, I'll have some of the guys there from Europe Pacific Capital. We have a booth, uh, so you can hang out with me at the booth. You can talk to some of the brokers, go to my workshops, listen to my talk, uh, just hang out, grab a drink with me. I'm there for the whole conference. It's a lot of fun. There's a lot of good people there. Freedom Fest, unfortunately, there's not a lot of freedom left to be festive about. So it's more about the freedom that we want rather than the freedom that we have. But anyway, I hope looking forward to seeing uh, many of you there. And again, have a uh, great holiday weekend. And I think the real fireworks, though, might start on Tuesday when our markets open up after the three-day holiday weekend.
Today's financial advisors behave like pro-wrestling TV commentators. They scream that the recovery is strong, debt is manageable, inflation is low, and that the Federal Reserve has everything under control. They may be oblivious, but the danger is real. Looking beyond the media hype can open a world of broader investing ideas. Euro-Pacific Capital is a registered investment advisor that offers stock-focused wealth management services that closely follow the strategy of our founder and CEO, Peter Schiff. We concentrate on those countries that are more closely in tune with Peter's vision of how capitalism is supposed to work. And these investments are not hard to find, provided you know where to look. Isn't it time you change the channel and let Euro-Pacific put a little reality back into your portfolio? If you live in the United States and have $25,000 or more to invest, call 800-727-7922. That's 800-727-7922. Non-U.S. residents access similar strategies through Euro-Pacific Bank at europacbank.com. Euro-Pacific Capital and Euro-Pacific Bank are affiliated companies.